A corner taken by West Bromwich Albion player Carl Valentine led to Canada taking the lead after 16 minutes. The scorer, George Pacos. With Canada needing the win to qualify, it was just the start they needed. Canada snatched the vital goal 12 minutes later. A Valentine corner again did the damage. An in-swinger to the near post and Bratislava-born Igor Vrablic finished the job. But 2-1 it stayed and the celebrations began as Canada became the eighth team to qualify for the World Cup Finals. Welcome to the WBA Canada podcast, your home for the latest news and exclusive interviews about the club we love from a Canadian's perspective. Hello everyone and welcome to the WBA Canada YouTube channel. Today I'm joined by a member of the Canada Soccer Hall of Fame and a former West Brom player and of course he played at the World Cup. I'm with Carl Valentine. Carl, how are you doing today? I'm doing wonderfully well. Uh, um, a day of voting today, so I've already been voted, and so now I'm looking forward to chatting with you. Great. I'm about to do that after. All right. So it's great to chat with you today. We'll start at the very beginning, and I always like to, to ask my guests when they come on, just how did you get into soccer? Well, probably as everyone knows, if you come from Europe, uh, with it being, you know, number one sport, um, most places, when you're a boy, if you, you know, can walk, you start kicking a ball. And I did that and did the regular things of uh, uh, playing with my friends um, in the parks and stuff. Every chance that we got, we had a ball and there was not a lot of TV and stuff in my day. So we went out and uh, played football and um, played some club soccer in Clayton, Manchester, where I was from, and played for clubs, played school soccer um, before um, obviously leaving and signing pro. Yeah, that's great. Was there one player who was your idol growing up? Well, there's probably three, um, but there's one I idolised. It was Bess Lauren Chelton, you know, coming up mm -hmm. in Manchester, being yeah. a United fan. I'm not sure how I became a United fan. My dad's from Jamaica, and my mum's. Uh, 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 Mancunian but didn't play sports and I had four sisters so um, but I, yeah I, I used to go in the paddock by the Stretford end and watch United and go out in the fields and try and be George Best you know he was uh, you know my real idol but Best Lauren Chelton was playing in that day was three fantastic players but uh, definitely George Best Great yeah, so you ended up going and you got the the chance to play professional and you started your career with Oldham Athletic. Tell me a little bit about what that experience was like. Yeah, it was great. I mean, uh, the year before that, because you can leave school at 16 in England, I went for a trial um, to uh, Stockport County and uh, I went with uh, two of my friends um, for that summer. Uh, they made the team and got signed and I was told I wasn't big enough strong enough whatever and I went back to school for a year and then a friend invited me he was training at Oldham invited me to go up the following summer I went back to school invited me to go to Oldham the following summer just to train I trained with him all summer played a few games and at the end of the summer they asked me to sign a semi-professional contract 16 pound a week and uh, eight pounds went to my mum and dad <laughs> 
Yeah. Did you think that was going to be your big break into the game? Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, I don't know if I'd given up hope, but obviously it was pretty devastating at 16. Two of your mates get signed on and you don't. And you think, well, what do you do now? That's why I went back to school because I didn't have a plan other than playing football. Uh, did quite well that year. I was going to do to uh, do my A-levels and then be a, a, a phys ed teacher. And then, you know, by chance, my mate invited me there. Uh, everything went well. And it was like I was, you know, going to go to night school and train. But it was so demanded full-time training. And um, I settled in nicely. And, um, you know, it was like, you know, obviously a great opportunity. Yeah, and... It led, it led you into an interesting place because right after that, you made a bit of an interesting transition. You ended up in Vancouver, Canada, which is a weird one for you. What was that transition like to move to a different country and have to play in a different country without any family over there? Yeah, you know, people have asked me, you know, later in life, you know, ask the question, why did they come here? And obviously I'm not 20 anymore, so I can't think like a 20-year-old. And I'm not really sure. The manager came in, Jimmy Frizzle, from Oldham, and just said, look, uh, the Vancouver Whitecaps had come in. I think it was £100,000 at the time, which was you know, a record fee for Oldham. Hmm. And uh, he said, you've got to go and meet them and negotiate a deal. And, you know, as you rightfully said, like, you know, I, was, I didn't know where Vancouver was. I knew Canada. Never heard of Vancouver. There's no Google, no internet. Uh, no way to find out and I certainly didn't know anyone there um, but and I was still living at home with mom yeah. and dad and sisters um, but I met Tony Waders who was a, a goalkeeper at Liverpool and uh, Blackpool and uh, he did a good sell job and um, I, you know obviously I, I said yes to it and uh, it was a great move. Do you have any memories from your first spell in Canada that you remember clearly well yeah I mean I I you know there was a lot of players Willie Johnson obviously an old West Brom player was there Trevor Wymark Kevin Hector Alan Ball uh, played on the the team so a lot of players I admired so that was a big memory going there and then uh, the first game of the season I was on the bench and uh, you know I kind of knew that I was only 20 and they had all these season pros that had come over from England that was playing there and um, somebody got injured 10 minutes and I got subbed on and that started my career. And we went on to win the North American Championship. We beat the New York Cosmos with Carlos Alberto and Beckenbauer in the team. And uh, yeah, we ended up winning the championship that year. So it was an unbelievable first year. That was going to be my next question. What, what was it like to win that championship? I mean, you said there... There were some big names on that team. What exactly did that achievement feel like? It was incredible because uh, obviously they had a good year the year before that. I think they won 20, 24 and lost six games. So they already had a good team, but there's quite a few Brits that, uh, that came, you know, came in. Ray Lewington, uh, Roger Kenyon, other Brits that were there. Um, and, you know, we had a good season. Alan Ball came halfway through the season, so we knew we had something good, but um, we beat Dallas the first round. Second round, we played uh, 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 L.A. Uh, mm. Aztecs, if my memory is right, and Johan Cruyff was Ooh. playing for them. Um, we tied 2-2 there. We'd come back to Vancouver, beaten 
in a regular game, mini game. And then we had to play the New York Cosmos home and away. No um, easy route. Yeah, that was incredible because we beat them 2-0 at home, went to New York, um, ended up playing a, a full 90 minutes, tied 2-2. Um, played the 30-minute uh, overtime game, no score, lost in a shootout. Went to the change room for 15 minutes. Uh, come back out to play another half hour. Um, I think I did a Jeffers. I think it was Jeffers. Anyway, I, I hit a shot in that 30-minute uh, mini game. Hit the underside bar, went in. Yeah. We gave a goal and uh, they pinned the lines and up. Uh, giant stadium we're playing at in New York anyway they reversed it and we end up winning a shootout and then obviously going back to New York they hated us because we the the Cosmos should have been in that final and it was in their stadium uh, yeah. we played Tampa Bay Rodney Marsh and uh, it was incredible um, you know we win the, won the game 2-1 two, two goals from Trevor Weimark and then when we came back to Vancouver, there's anywhere estimated from 100 to 150,000 people came out for that parade. It's the wow. biggest one they've ever had. Um, and it was just amazing. Wow. Yeah. And of course, for Vancouver, you made 165 appearances and scored 44 goals. But then you made another interesting career decision because you got the chance to go to uh, my club and the majority of the people who watch this club, West Brom. Um, my question for you in that sense is, when did you first hear about that move and what made you want to make the move? Well, I wanted to go back. It was always a dream to go back and play in the first division because when I was with Oldham, there was in the old second division, which is a championship now. Yeah. So I'd never played in the first division. It was always a dream of mine. Uh, second year, I was in Vancouver um, we played Man City, uh, Malcolm Allison was the manager and he came in um, to try and buy me and the Whitecaps said no. Hmm. And I think the year after that, Gordon Lee was at Everton. They come in and tried to buy me and the Whitecaps wouldn't let me go because obviously I was doing well there and I was quite popular. And uh, I'm thankful for that, the way I was not happy at the time, you know, when it happened. Yeah. Um, but eventually John Giles came over and uh, coached us um, uh, he got fired here so he was going back to England he came back and tried to buy me and the Whitecaps said no so that was the third strike and I was like oh man this is never going to happen Yeah. and then the following season the NASL was folding I think the league was gone and so um, uh, John Giles who was the West Brom manager came back in and uh, obviously I realised my dream to go back and play for West Brom in, in the first division because, you know, that was a goal and I wanted my mum and dad to see me, you know, they see me playing Vancouver, but, you know, it was a dream of theirs as well, like, to see me playing the first division. So it was uh, very thankful uh, to West Brom for that. Yeah, what were your first thoughts of the club? Yeah, I knew it was going to be a good team. I knew Giles was a coach. Uh, I'd played under him for a couple of years and I knew what kind of players he liked and what kind of style it liked. Um, West Brom, you know, was synonymous with wingers, you know, Willie Johnson, Cunningham's, all these players and, um, and, and obviously coloured players as well, right? So um, it was a dream move for me to go um, to play uh, for West Brom. 
yeah. you know, a couple of hours from Manchester as well. So that wasn't too bad. But, uh, you know, I was uh, thrilled that uh, Giles had come in for me and that uh, West Brom wanted me as a player. What were your thoughts on the fans, the atmosphere at the Hawthorns when the team would get buzzing? Yeah, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. I mean, you know, like most fans over there, they're very knowledgeable and uh, they obviously have been spout in a way with some of the players that have played at West Brom because, you know, they've been some fabulous players, Brian Robson, uh, all these guys that have uh, um, gone through uh, West Brom. So um, I kind of knew myself is, you know, go out and try and do your thing, entertain, excite the fans because they get right behind you and uh, they certainly did. Yeah. You got the chance to play with a long-serving centre-back for West Brom, Ali Robertson. How was that? Oh, just brilliant. I mean, all the pros, you know, they were so good back in the day. I mean, I'm sure they are, you know, still now, but, you know, a lot of characters and uh, he was certainly one. He's just a tremendous player and uh, obviously it was new for me and uh, a, a, a different challenge. And, um, you know, they were just great helping you settle down as a, a young kid coming back and um, trying to establish, establish myself in the team. And, um, you know, get the, the, the club up and running. Great. Yeah, and he made 506 appearances. So who else is better to help you get yourself into the team, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was such, uh, it was such fun times there. You know, I mean, I, I, I loved it. And, um, you know, I think my um, probably proudest moment was uh, getting the winner against Villa. I think I was a trivia question for 10 years. Um, because uh, um, we played Villa at home and we won 1-0. Um, and then I, I left at the end of that year to go back to England. West Brom got relegated, didn't get back for a few years, but they didn't beat Villa for 10 years. And I was the last player to score the goal. Um, but I always remember that game as well, even though uh, it was a proud moment. Uh, I think it was Stevie on, on the left wing. He crossed the ball into me. I'm in the box. I swung at it. I missed it, it bounced, hit me in the ass, ended up on the ground, I turned around, toe-poked it in, <laughs> the goal, and then, um, I think it was, uh, what was the, the keeper, Tony Cotton, was it, I can't remember his name now, oh. but anyway, um, Villa just battered us, and he was, the, our keeper was outstanding, he was just done on his head, mm. and I always remember at the end of the game, I, I was obviously happy I scored the winner because obviously it meant a lot to the West Brom fans beating Villa. Mm -hmm. um, but they gave me man of the match and there was no way because the keeper was oh. just outstanding. Yeah. I, I have a feeling that you've been reading over my notes for this because <laughs> yeah, I was just I was about to ask you about it. probably answer your next question, but yeah. I'll throw a stat at you for a second. Okay. Until the year of 2011, you were the last player to have scored a winner for West Brom against Aston Villa. Now, I was going to ask you what you thought of that game, but we moved. Well, no, it, and it was crazy as well, because uh, I had no idea. You know, I mean, obviously I was following West Brom and, you know, they, they got relegated. It was in the low division. Obviously, the, the I knew, you know, I wasn't following, okay, they're still not beating Villa. I think there was like, must have been five or six games in the, the Premier and they, they couldn't get, beat Villa. Um, and then I get a call, um, some of yours are messages stuff, oh, can I have a chat with you? And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess so. And then 
I can't remember the reporter's name, and he just says, oh, you, uh, I don't know if you know, but you've been a trivia question for 10 years. <laughs> and I was like, I have. <laughs> he was playing to score a winning goal against Villa, and I was like, oh, wow, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, so one other thing I'd like to ask you, was there any other games, particularly for West Brom, that stuck out as memorable games for you? Well, there was, but memorable in different ways. Obviously, we um, we played United at at, uh, at home, the Hawthorns, and then uh, we got battered five 0 So it was great. I was playing United, but it was like the result was, you know, they yeah. were just on fire that day. Um, I don't know if it was one of Brian Robson's first games back or whatever. Um, and then um, you know, going to Old Trafford. Uh, with West Brom was a big thing because I wanted to uh, obviously being a United fan going there we lost 2-0 but you know just to go and play um, that match uh, what I think the I want to say the last game uh, my memory is not always the best but my last game was against Leicester away um, we won 2-1 I think I got the winning goal on that yeah. um, so that was a good send off you know, for yeah. me to get the, you know, get the winning goal against Leicester. So, um, you know, it was sad to leave, but it was just another adventure, but it was just a good way to end it. And would you say that was your favourite memory of being at the club, other than obviously the Villa goal where you got that lucky bounce? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was just great because, I mean, you know, you know the fans there and yeah. how they, they just hate Villa and stuff. They hate them. Yeah, so um, even though you know, I mean, it wasn't my best game. We only we only won the game because our keeper stood on his head. Um, it was just great because the fans were so appreciative, like you know, of getting that winning goal against Villa and sticking it to him. Yeah, um, you know, and you can live on that for a long time, right? Yeah, um, I remember. Um, I remember going to Arsenal, um, and it was more the build up. We played Arsenal at Highbury, I think. It's like the tenth, eleventh game, and we were on fire. Yeah, we were near the top of the table. I remember the old uh, um, grandstand, uh, something that was on before the game, and it was talking us up how, you know, we were the next threat, the new team, young team playing exciting football, and and then we got batten. <laughs> so yeah, what my memories like, you know, yeah, United and Old Trafford and. But we, you know, other than the Villa, we never seemed to win those games. But that was such a great memory, you know, just playing at these historic. I remember playing at uh, White Hart Lane and Highbury. Yeah. I mean, just for me, you know, it's just fantastic because um, you only got a couple of opportunities to do that, right? Yeah, and those are the iconic ones you got to think yeah. of, right? Like yeah. when I think of iconic stadiums, I think um, Old Trafford is probably the best of the best. I think of maybe as much as you might not want to say it, Anfield is one oh, of yeah. is yeah. a massive, famous stadium, right? Yes, and I oh, yeah. think stick in your memory. Yeah, for sure. Do you keep in contact with anyone at West Brom? Uh, Willie Johnson. Yeah, um, keeping contact with uh, Derek Statham. Yeah, uh, Facebook friends and stuff like that. Um, but no, I mean. You know, even even then, you know, it's not like it is now because you know the, you know, like we're doing now on Skype and FaceTime and Google and internet is like I lost touch with 
you know, almost everyone being over here because there was no way to keep in touch other than writing letters, right? So yeah. I never had a high school reunion. <clears throat> um, lost touch with a lot of the um, kids I went to school with because, you know, unless you writ- you, you're going to write letters, which you didn't in them days, you just lose touch with everyone, right? Yeah. But I follow it. I, I follow the club, obviously, and stuff like that, so. Yeah. I mean, I think this year's going to be potentially a good year. I'd like to see us get back up. You did mention it earlier. I do like watching us better in the championship just because you get the pursuit of potentially getting back to the Premier League and you're playing every game to win every week, which is nice. You know. Yeah. Uh, So after your time at West Brom, you ended up going to the major indoor soccer league. What was that experience like? You went back to North America, you played in Vancouver for a little bit, but you sort of went to a couple of different places within that. Yeah, league. it was, um, you know, I, I remember because uh, uh, John Giles, who was coach, uh, we got a few injuries, we had a great start to the season and we got a few injuries and it, we kind of, you know, were tanking it and just losing some games and he was a very proud man and, you know, he didn't want to be dictated by the directors or chair people or stuff like that so he walked out yeah and uh, Nobby Styles, like Nobby Styles, he uh, took over because uh, he was in Vancouver when Jalzy was there so I got to know Nobby Styles as well yeah and um, I just got married the uh, wife was having a, a, a baby and he and was on the bus and he came to me and he said look um, you know it's going to be a struggle for us this year don't know what's going to happen he said but you're just starting a family um, there's some teams in America that's come that's offering good money. Yeah, you know, you need to take it now and and set yourself up for your family. So yeah. I, I went to Cleveland to start. So what happened was, um, I went to Cleveland and um, uh, I play in the winter in the states. So september march whatever it was because yeah. that's where i made me money then i went to ba- vancouver and played in the canadian soccer league uh, you know semi-pro league in the summer just so i could keep my name here yeah. so i did that i was in cleveland for four years baltimore for two years kansas city and tacoma and then in the summer in the winter and then in the summers i played for the vancouver 86ers yeah and um, it worked out pretty well because my next question for you we're going to switch gears we talked a bit about your club career, but you made the decision to become a Canadian citizen. What made you decide to do that? I wanted to come back to Vancouver and, uh, you know, I was a footballer. I had no other skills. I thought as the league's folding, if I don't get it, I'm never going to be able to come back to Vancouver and live. So I applied for it. I was a few months short of, you know, what I needed to do anyway. There was a lady from Ireland that, uh, heard that I was um, applying for my citizenship. Uh, she knew some people, she made some calls and um, I'm very grateful and thankful. Um, and I was able to get my Canadian citizenship. So I felt obviously a lot more comfortable coming back to England, playing for West Brom, knowing that I had my citizenship here and I didn't have yeah. to have a job that I wasn't skilled at. And, and it, it just make it much easier to come back. Yeah. And then how did it come to be that you, were, that you played for Canada? Yeah, the the, uh, the Canadian Soccer Association, Tony Waiters, who was the Whitecaps coach when we won Soccer Bowl, he was the manager. Um, he asked me to play in the Olympics, um, uh, the LA Olympics, and 
I said no, <laughs> not the smartest decision. Yeah. And they got all the way to the quarterfinals, played Brazil and lost on penalty kicks, nearly beat them. So that wasn't a great decision. And I thought that, you know, because I didn't do that, I, you know, that had passed by. And uh, they got to their last qualifying game against Honduras and they'd had some injuries. And he called me up and uh, said, would you like to play in the game? And uh, I said, yes. So as you said, you made your debut for Canada against Honduras. And I've been reading that you were not feeling well. No, I was sick the whole week. I didn't know if I was going to make it. Um, had the runs, it was coming out both ends and I was really weak and sick. And I don't, I was there the week before. It was uh, definitely three or four days in bed. And then I was getting a little bit stronger trying to train. And thankfully I, I made the game, but it was touch and go for a while. Yeah. And then famously, you got two corner kicks that you put onto two into the net twice and you got the two assists and Canada won 2-1 and qualified for the World Cup. What was that feeling like to be a part of at the very last second you made it into the team, but you helped them get to the World Cup? Yeah, it was very tense and uh, Honduras were a powerhouse in CONCACAF. There was only, uh, obviously, the, U the U.S. got in because they were uh, the host. And, um, yeah, it was, a, it, it was a tough game and managed to get the first assist. And they come back and it was like, oh, geez, you know, this is, uh, is going to be tough. You know, it could all be for nothing. And, you know, you feel a little bit of pressure because I was playing in England. They brought me over. They played a number of get qualifying games. And, um, yeah, I was so thankful to get another assist and uh, the winning goal and uh, for us to qualify for the World Cup. It took a long time to uh, sink in. Um, obviously, I had to go back to England, start playing for West Brom. And then um, I can't remember what the, the, which channel it was. Anyway, I was on TV because um, they did a thing that was just showing me eyes. And it was like, this Englishman is the first this, this is the first Englishman to qualify for the World Cup. That was yeah. kind of ironic. Yeah. <laughs> so what was that experience like to play for Canada at the World Cup? I mean, it, you're the part of a rare group. There's only one group of you who have done it. So what was it like? It was amazing. Yeah, it was just amazing. It was uh, obviously it was daunting because our first game was France, who was one of the favourites to win it all. We nearly irked out result. You know, obviously would have been lucky if we did that. They were a better team, had some chances they, they could have put away. But we're 10 minutes from uh, holding them to a tie. And um, and then we played Russia, who beat Hungary 5-0 and, you know, ended up losing that game 2-0. And they were pretty comfortable. And then, you know, we thought we might have been able to get a result against uh, uh, Hungary. We ended up losing that 2-0. So we didn't score a goal, so a bit of a negative, but yeah. we never got embarrassed. And I think that's important because, you know, if you're getting beat 5-6-0, it's like there's not a lot you can talk about. But because we were competitive, um, it was such an unbelievable experience, and especially the France game. Yeah. And you played in Mexico. Was it at the Azteca? No, we played in Irapuato. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, the stadiums were great. The fans were great. Um, obviously, heat little bit of altitude and stuff like that but uh it was just wonderful to be obviously part of the the biggest event in the world right yeah it's the biggest sporting event anywhere so yeah you know i think personally growing up in canada but being just a soccer fan 
you grow up dreaming to be in the World Cup. And, you know, that famous fantasy of, oh, I want to score the winning goal to, to bring my team the World Cup is just, I think that's the main thing. Do you look back at it differently, knowing now that Canada hasn't made it to another World Cup since that time? Yeah, because honestly, when we uh, qualified, we just thought, because obviously it happened with the States, um, you're just thinking, okay, we've done it now. We'll, we'll be qualifying, you know, every year, every other year, right? And yeah. uh, it didn't materialise. I mean, you know, obviously you've got a good squad and a good chance this year, but it's still tough. CONCACAF is hard. And, yeah. Um, you know, I think back, especially back in our day when there was fewer teams and stuff like that, it was even harder to... Uh, to you know to qualify you know so yeah. even though you tw- there used to be 24 teams in the world cup and we weren't one of the best we still had as tough a qualifying as anybody else to get to uh that tournament so it was uh it was fantastic to be part of it yeah i actually i have a brief connection to that world cup team as well randy reagan i don't you remember yeah, yeah no randy i played He's used to be the women's coach for the Guelph Griffins, who is our university. So I know him quite well because my uncle's the head coach of the men's team. So I got to interact quite a bit with him. I just thought I'd slip that in there. No, he's a great guy as well. He was a fantastic player. Oh, yeah. Such a nice guy as well. Yeah. Um, You got one goal for Canada in your time playing for them. Do you remember that goal? No, <laughs> I should because I didn't score many goals, but I can't remember. I think it was against, it was uh, an Asian team, right? Yeah, it was against Hong Kong. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I'll, I'll jog your memory a little bit because I wrote it down. It was in a game versus Hong Kong. The competition was the Columbus 500 Cup and it was at Varsity Stadium in Toronto. Oh, wow. I don't remember it. That's how bad I am. June 13th, 1992. Wow. Is there one memory, particularly from playing from Canada, that really stands out as your favourite memory or the most memorable? Well, obviously got the World Cup, but before that, at Swangard Stadium, we played England. Yeah. Um, we lost the game 1-0, but uh, that was just fantastic to play, you know, against uh, a lot of players that I was still following. I mean... You, you don't have it on TV like you do now. So I, was following, I used to have them shortwave radios and yeah. uh, used to listen to these players and read as much as I, get, as I could about them. So playing against England before that was, uh, yeah. was definitely a highlight. And were there, what players was it in that England? Uh, Gary, Gary Lineker, Beardsley, um, uh, Terry Butcher was playing, Peter Reid. Um, you know, that was a game the hand of God and Maradona, right? I mean, yeah. without that, they could have won and, you know, they could have won that game, right? They could have won that game. They could have won the World Cup. They were a fantastic team. Yeah. Uh, with fantastic, yeah, fantastic players. Yeah. So you touched on it a little bit, but we've got a new crop of Canadian players who are trying to get into the World Cup and are getting about as close to it as at least I've seen in my lifetime. What do you think of the new crop? Oh, they're fantastic. I mean, they're enjoyable to watch. They're, they're good footballers. They're playing at high levels uh, around the world, uh, which wasn't always the case. And, um, you know, they got a wonderful opportunity. But, 
Um, I know how hard CONCACAF is, uh, these, especially now when you've got to go to Panama and Honduras and stuff like that, the, the El Salvador, they're tough, tough places to play in. And it's going to be a young group that's going in. Obviously, they played at high levels, so hopefully, you know, they won't be intimidated. But, yeah. um, you know, they've got to be one of the favourites. But it's it's a tough, CONCACAF is very, very tough yeah. um, to qualify in. I don't think people realise because... As we get better, these other countries are getting better. You see how well Panama is doing now, right? And yeah, I I actually I back them. I think they're gonna do it this time. Yeah, my it's personal my personal favorite. I love Alfonso Davies. I think that guy is an incredible player. Um, obviously playing at Bayern Munich, and I'm not sure. Maybe you have a little bit of a um, history with him at having. Played for Vancouver. Yeah, coaching, oh. coaching at U16. And, uh, you know, he's just a fantastic lad. I mean, you can never say that you knew someone was going to make it because you've seen young players like that with lots of skill and, not, you know, they've been okay players. But you kind of knew that it would be very hard for him not to make it because of his attitude and the way he sees life. Yeah. Um, you know, he made his debut when he's 15, but when he first... Uh, 16 when he first moved to the first team he was training with them uh the residency boys you 14 16 18 trade trained about half an hour away from them yeah and he's shown up one day and it was like his u18 training it was like no nope, no training his u16s no what about the u14s he said yeah he said can i train with them so we let him train with them not mm. knowing that he'd not got permission for the head coach and yeah. uh, al robinson was the head coach then and he was pretty upset you know, because he could have got injured. Yeah. But he just loves playing. He, lo he loves training. He, yeah. Um, it's not hardship to him. It's a joy, you know, because of his background and where he's come from. And you just knew with the skill, um, the speed that he had, yeah. with that attitude, it was going to be tough. You know, he'd, he'd have to have some bad breaks not to make it. And obviously he's showing that, that yeah. he's, uh, he's, uh, he's, he's, he's a class player. And I don't think anyone would laugh if, uh, you know, when you're talking about him, he said he's one of the best, if not one of the best left backs in the world, because I think uh, magazines and that have put him right up there as the, in the top two, three left backs in the world. So I want to ask you, you've come to Canada early on in your career and you've lived in Canada now for a bit. Have you seen a change in just the culture of soccer in the country? And if so, what would you say is the biggest change there? Well, I think there's been a big change. I mean, when I first come to Canada, I mean, it's so different from, uh, and you'll attest to living back home, because if you've got two left feet back home, you can't play soccer. There's nowhere to play where in Canada, any player, if you're not an athlete, you've never played there, there's somewhere for you to play. So they look after the masses. Um, okay. And that become a problem because the elite players kind of got left behind because there was nowhere for them to go. Yeah, The clubs around Canada now uh, have done a fantastic job of providing an environment, not just for recreational players, but for elite players. There's academies around now. And now we've got the Canadian Soccer League. So a lot of things now are in place that uh, kids, you know, you know, I, I don't know how many years, you go back 10, maybe even five, 10 years ago or 10, 10 years ago, where if you was a kid that wanted to be a professional soccer player, he was probably looking at moving away from Canada yeah. to get that opportunity. So uh, that's Hockey League, MLS. It's just different routes. And all the clubs across Canada now 
um, as I said, are not just looking after recreational players, they're looking after their elite players as well. Yeah. And I also feel like there's got to be a great value in seeing players like we've just, I've just talked about and gushed on him a little bit, Alfonso Davies, and not just him, you got Jonathan David, Junior Hoylett, all kinds of different players, and they're all chipping in and playing well for the country. And I think that's also going to be a big part of just continuing to grow as well. Yeah, and it's massive. And, you know, any pro will tell you, like, you know, if you're watching games and, uh, you know, you, you don't look at it as you're observing, you're just watching them. You know, my first coaches were Bessler and Chelton because I would go out and try and emulate them. And, yeah, you know, kids need to, to do that as well. So it's important that you're watching the game as well as training and playing the game. Yeah. All right. I'll leave you with one final question. And that simply is just what are you up to now? Yeah, I'm the club ambassador. I get out to do a lot of amazing events. Um, I go visit kids at camps and see them um, go to, you know, place like Children's Hospital or uh, a soup kitchen and stuff like that. So the Whitecaps are very committed to being an asset in the community. And as a club ambassador, I get to do that. I get to see fans on game day, visit suites, say thank you to all those fans who used to come and watch me and then uh, meet kids that uh, that recognize me because the parents were Whitecaps fans back in the day. Yeah. Um, so my job is a great job because it's just really, you know, being out there with uh, um, people that are doing wonderful things in the community, you know, donating, uh, volunteering their time and stuff, and also mixing with great soccer fans. Great. All right. Thank you so much for joining me, Carl. I really appreciate it. And I Pleasure. hope you continue to watch West Brom when you can. And I hope Canada get to make it to the World Cup. Thank you for listening to the WBA Canada podcast. Be sure to follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at WBA Canada for the latest updates and news regarding West Brom from a Canadian's perspective.